What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Thanks to Sana Skin Studio for supporting the No Podcast. Sana is a skin studio that is shifting the relationship with your skin and your products through goal-driven facials, real guidance, and clean skincare. Stay tuned for our promo code so you can receive $25 off of your first facial at Sana Skin Studio. Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. Light beams, truth speakers, gods and goddess babes, welcome to the know where it's not about knowing everything, it is about coming to know ourselves. I am your hostess, Nikki Spo, and I am so happy that you're here. Don't forget to subscribe and rate our show because honey, that is how we get in front of more people and we can make a maximum impact, all right? Hopefully, we say something on these episodes that clicks for you or someone you care about, and really, that's all that matters. So I've only ever repeated a couple of guests, Jamie Ruiz, Danielle Press, and now Dr. Roshna Buksamni Mirpuri, who was very recently on the show. And while we were talking off record, we got into the conversation of personality disorders and how important it would be to have a conversation around it. So here we are. Dr. Roshna Buksani Mirpuri is a renowned expert in the field of mental health, and she is a compassionate and dedicated therapist specializing in personality disorders. With a passion for helping individuals live fulfilling lives despite their challenges, Dr. Roshna has dedicated her career to understanding and treating these complex conditions. Her expertise, combined with her warm and empathetic approach, has touched the lives of countless individuals seeking support and guidance in navigating the complexities of personality disorders. Join us as we dive into a transformative conversation with Dr. Rashna, exploring signs, treatment options, and keys to living a fulfilling life with a personality disorder. Let's get started. Dr. Rashna, welcome back. I'm so happy that we are getting to have this super important conversation around personality disorders. Absolutely. Nikki, I can't tell you how grateful I am because a lot of times when clients present with depression, anxiety, there's an underlying personality disorder there that we don't pick up because not not a lot of people come in saying, oh, you know, I might have a personality disorder because there's not a lot of awareness or understanding of it. You know, even as therapists, sometimes we can miss it initially because we're so focused on the depression and anxiety piece that we miss why why is this person constantly feeling so insecure, so empty, and then we pick up the personality disorder. So, you know, just the prevalence of BPD, which is borderline personality disorder, is huge. And so I'm really grateful we're talking about it. Me too. So, you know, I listened to Alex Cooper's show called Call Her Daddy a lot. And not too long ago, she hosted a young woman named Madison Beer, which made me feel like a dinosaur because I didn't know who she was <laughs> when I listened to the episode. But essentially in that episode of Call Her Daddy, Alex and this woman Madison discussed how Madison had been like exposed and like just a multitude of traumatic experiences that Madison endured from childhood into adulthood and ultimately how she was diagnosed with a personality disorder, which she like comes right out in the episode and says was like a game changer in her life. And the reason why I bring this up is because 
I was I'm listening to these two women talk about personality disorders so candidly, like, and it really opened my eyes because for as long as I've been on my own healing and mental health journey, I have always had a deep fear of and a sense of shame around the idea of personality disorders. And, you know, I consider myself to be pretty awake and aware when it comes to these things, but listening to that episode made me realize how much judgment I carry here. And I feel like a lot of people do. So I want today's conversation to be full of compassion, which I know is such a beautiful qualities of quality of yours, Dr. Rashna, you know, be full of information and tools for our listeners. So let's get started. Tell us about personality disorders in like a very general way. Nikki, when, when somebody has a personality disorder, basically it's a maladaptive pattern of behavior and how they relate to others, right? So really, when we talk about personality disorders, I think we need to talk about the relationships because that's kind of where it affects the most. There's an instability of identity, so how I feel about myself and thus relating to others. And what makes them disorders is really the long-standingness of it or the stability of these maladaptive patterns. That's what gives it the diagnosis of a disorder. It's not that, oh, today I woke up, and I'm, I'm feeling blah. So, you know, I'm, ju- I'm just not able to relate to someone. That's what it's not. It's not. I'm not right. on my PMS and, and, you know, feeling particularly vulnerable because, you know, that's going to pass. This is really how people feel all the time. So now let's talk about, there's, there's about 10 personality disorders, Nikki, and we're not going to get into all, all, the, all the 10 of them. The reason being that we don't see all the 10 of them in practice, right? So, okay. Um, but the way DSM has broken them down is into clusters. There's cluster A, cluster B, cluster C. And cluster B, which is where the borderline, the narcissistic, the histrionic, and the antisocial, the cluster B are the most challenging ones. We see them coming in more. So it almost seems like they're more prevalent. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today is the borderline piece of this because What I have seen in my experience from my clients, we have so many people struggling with borderline personality. And it's one of those things that affects not only the individual, but everybody else. It's important to talk about. So, you know, that's kind of the broad overview. Now, even in cluster B, your antisocial personalities are not coming in because they're the ones who are in prison. They are anti-rules, to very simply put it. They are anti-law, they are anti-rules, you know, I can do whatever I want. So those are the ones that that we see in prison a lot. Narcissistic, they don't come in, Nikki, because they don't think there's anything wrong with them. They right. send everybody to therapy other than themselves. So the only time I would see a narcissist, and I did, you know, maybe twice, uh, was because I had a client whose spouse had narcissistic tendencies or had a full-blown diagnosis. I don't know because I met them once. And they really just came in to tell me everything wrong that was with the spouse and fix her. Uh, So the narcissists don't come in, but we do see borderline, you know, people struggling with borderline personality come in, which is why I want to talk about that today. So what is that exactly? There's about nine traits of borderline personality, Nikki, and we'll, we'll go through some of them because it's important to have an understanding of the traits because the traits are what makes the disorder, right? But in one sentence, it's an unstable sense of self, behavior, 
mood and relationships. A lot of instability in the way I feel, in the way I act, in my relationships and in my sense of self. Wow. You know, my, my self-identity. And that's kind of what characterizes borderline. But to better understand, I think we should go through those nine traits. All of this stuff I find so fascinating. You know, I've been, as I've, as I've shared and I've been very open on my platform, I've done years of like th- therapy for myself. You know, I've been through a lot of traumatic events that had a great impact on my life and the way that I am and the, like the development of my my own personality, right? Like right. who I am as an individual and my sense of identity. And so I'm super fascinated by all of this. I want to know, are these things chemical or environmental? Like, well, both. Okay. So what research has found is that we have a biological predisposition, right? Okay. But then there's also those really, you know, very toxic early childhood experiences that can cause a person to have personality disorder. And is it permanent? Is it something somebody can like therapy out of? No. But I want to say, Nikki, I don't think anybody can therapy out of anything. Oh, wow. Because, you know, I feel what we learn to do, I feel most mental health conditions are like those chronic ailments like diabetes, like high blood pressure, that you're, what you learn to do in therapies, you learn to manage it. You know, the good news about BPD is we have tried and tested therapeutic models for BPD. So we have dialectic behavior therapy, and I know we touched upon that in our uh, previous conversation, EMDR for trauma, because obviously there is trauma associated with why somebody would develop a personality disorder. There are things that we can do, but does it go away? Not really. People learn to manage it and still go on to have successful relationships. I mean, I've had clients who have been in therapy for a long time and they'll continue, maybe lifelong, but they can have fulfilling and meaningful relationships. And functional. Absolutely. Okay, so that's good to know. I think that's really important for our listeners to to hear too, because like anybody, for example, like anybody who's listening that is like, maybe I have a borderline personality disorder or like maybe my loved one does. Like, I think it's really important to that hope. Hope is at the center of like a lot of these conversations and that this isn't a branding. Like, I just want to move away from that. And I want people to move away from that, you know, like that judgment that comes with it and the stigma that like is kind of like this this like gray cloud that hangs over mental health in general. But like as we step into this conversation, this specific conversation about borderline personality disorder, you know, and that like giving our listeners hope and whoever's like listening or sharing this on like to a friend, sending this episode to a parent or a loved one or whatever, that like the, the underlying theme of this conversation, Dr. Rasha, as you and I both know, is hope that there like there is hope for a, a better life ahead even if you're struggling with these things absolutely it's nice that you keep bringing up that word it's a word that's extremely important to me and that's why the last four digits of my phone number office phone number spell hope and the minute you walk in there's this big sign about hope because you're right and i don't think any situation is hopeless as long as there's an understanding of okay this is what it is Let's learn how to cope with this, right? Yeah, Just totally. As much as I learn to cope with, like I said, some of those chronic illnesses that we have, like the high blood pressure, the diabetes, we don't look at those people and, and stigmatize that. We look right. at them with compassion and that's what needs to be done. And I'll tell you something, people with BPD have their own struggles. It's difficult for them, right? So I'm not 
here trying to make your life difficult. I feel empty. I feel a deep sense of abandonment. I feel insecure. None of these experiences I asked for, right? They were kind of thrown on to me. And I'm doing my best to cope. I love Nikki working with people with BPD. For me, it's it's a very fulfilling experience because I have seen people come in very, very dejected or very, oh my gosh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with this to then go on to get an education, to have a relationship and, and, and all of that. And then of course, at some point you bring in the partner, you talk about, okay, this is what's going on. This is how you can be supportive. Um, and it works out. You know, I like, I just keep thinking about like, my own anxiety that I have, right? And how my anxiety through my whole life has impacted other people. Being with somebody who has anxiety can be really difficult because it's easy to like personalize things. And I remember thinking like, man, imagine if you're frustrated by my anxiety, imagine how I feel. Like I'm frustrated by my anxiety. Like this does not feel good for me. Like this does not feel good. Like living with anxiety is zero fun for me, you know? And so it's, it is really hard. And like, it's hard to find relationships, and I mean all kinds of relationships, parent-child relationships, romantic relationships, friendships, because these things impact. Like, so hearing you talk about borderline personality disorder, and as I like kind of just apply it, like what you're saying into my own life, I'm like, oh, of course, like, no, it doesn't feel good for the recipient, but it really doesn't feel good. For, it really doesn't feel good for the person experiencing that. And that nobody discomfort. wants to walk around feeling that. No. Nobody wants to feel a sense of emptiness. Nobody right. wants to feel dysregulated to a point no. where, you know, that, that fear uh, almost takes the form of anger and that trigger uh, results in maybe you being physically violent or, or emotionally or verbally violent because nobody wants to do that. Understanding that, you know, I always talk about this client of mine. They came in as a couple. From session one, I kind of picked up, there's something else going on over here. So I suggested after maybe a couple of sessions that I think we need to do individual work. And so she, you know, started individual therapy with me, thank God, because people with borderline personality, they don't trust others very easily. This was really a process. I think she'd been to maybe seven therapists before me and really never worked out with any. Came to me, you know, we started the process, um, baby steps, right? Because now she's, you know, in her 50s. So of course it I'm not going to come right out and say it to her. So we started working on the symptoms. I think after every maybe fourth session, she would come and tell me, you know, I just want you to know that my relationship is worse. And I used to just smile through it because I can see through that to know that's not what she means to say because she keeps coming back to me. It's okay. Everybody in, in their life needs to be brought to that point where you can say, hey, listen, there are going to be triggers and we all have triggers, not only people right so right. we have triggers and this is what you need to do to manage it manage your expectations of that person and manage how this relationship is going to look like with this person because you can still go on to have very meaningful relationships as long as you don't internalize what's going on so you mentioned that there are nine traits of borderline personality disorder so let's start getting into some of those the hallmark right we talk about the fear of abandonment Okay, so now oh, wow. let's talk about the fear of abandonment because this is this can get very confusing to people because I remember again, you know, another client of mine who always had her parents with her, right? So when I was talking to the spouse, um, and I keep saying her because just so you know, statistically, 75% of people who struggle with borderline are women, 
it, it's a natural tendency. Not that there aren't men who struggle with borderline, but but the overwhelming majority is women. When the spouse came in, he said, but what do you mean abandonment? She's never been abandoned, like nobody's left her. And I said, yes, but she's been emotionally abandoned because she came from a physically abusive family. Her father was alcoholic and physically abusive. So it can be an emotional abandonment. It doesn't need to be in reality, right? So it could be a perception. Perceived. That, you know, oh my gosh, you're walking away from this conversation. Oh my gosh, you don't love me. You're not coming back. I'm going to lose you. You know, so this is a perceived, where that person might be just taking a break because, oh my gosh, I'm feeling flooded. I always, you know, I often define or, you know, not define, kind of give my uh, clients an example. Imagine somebody is taking your head and putting it under the water. You're suffocating. That's how they feel. It is so intense for them when they feel someone's going to leave them. They don't know what to do. That's really sad. It seems scary, like a scary feeling. Absolutely. And and imagine having lived with that. The All the time? Out, right? And that's why one of the first traits that we talk about, and I completely agree, extremely exhausting. That's why we see people with BPD sometimes talk about depression and anxiety because it's exhausting. Um Second trait, there's a pattern of unstable relationships. So I had another client of mine in her 30s. She had been through a slew of relationships, but really, really toxic relationships and toxic from both ends. There's always a pattern of instability in your relationships. That's another hallmark characteristic of borderlines. The third and I think very, very important thing for people to understand is there's an identity disturbance, right? So I don't Whoa. know who I am. You will hear a lot of people with borderline say this, that I don't even know who I am. I don't even know what I like. And what they'll do is you'll see them all of a sudden, they've changed their hair color, right? right. And uh, now they're dressing differently or uh, they are, um, you know, they, they've cut their hair really short. So they play around. In, in the histrionic case, it's more for, hey, I want attention. Look right. at me because I, I'm hurt when you don't give me attention. For a borderline, it's, I don't know who I am. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure myself out. And there's like no shame in that. Like, I can relate in my own life to like having stages of my own life, whether it's borderline or not, right? Like, we're not, we're not assessing me, right, today. But like, I think a lot of people have been in places where they're like, who am I? Right? Like, we got to explore. You got to try new things in order to figure it out. Yes. But with, you know, but we get to a certain point in our life where we become comfortable with who we are. The unfortunate things about people with borderline is they don't. So this pattern continues all their life. And that's what makes it a characteristic of uh, borderline. Well, also like coupled with all of the other things we're discussing. Absolutely. Right. It's not like we were not like you're not looking at these traits in a vacuum. No, no. And I want to say something about, you know, uh, any of these personality disorders and especially borderline. Every person who walks into my office and who has borderline presents differently. Of course. I have never seen two people having the exact same traits. This particular one, the extreme identity disturbance where they're going in. I, you know, I haven't seen a lot of people with borderline and that's what makes borderline a very heterogeneous disorder because it's... What is heterogeneous? Because we don't know. Right. So it's like individualized. Okay. Unique to the person. 
So you, if you know, the one person will come in with borderline and and present, and that's what also makes this tricky, right, for us to diagnose. Yeah, because sure. it's like, do you do you not? You know, uh, well, it takes time, right? I would imagine it takes time. Absolutely, for us to be able to diagnose, and diagnose is only for treatment. It's not to label. It helps the diagnosis helps in guiding the treatment. I mean, that was like that totally makes sense, and I think it's really important that people hear that that it's not a label, like, you know. Uh, it's not a social label. It's something that you and therapists are assigning for the purpose of treatment and helping people live better lives. Ultimately, that's like, that's the goal. This conversation is so good. But before we keep going, I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors, Sana Skin Studio. The best way for me to describe Sana is that it feels like coming home. Unlike traditional facials, Sana's facials are rooted in education, and I love this so much. Every experience I've had at Sana has been a chance to learn more about my skin and its needs. I love that the facials are effective while also being accessible enough to be a monthly ritual rather than a yearly splurge. I'm honored to be able to provide our audience with a promo code. Use the code THENOGLOW for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. So what is the fourth trait? They have a character trait of impulsive behaviors. Now, this is where it bleeds into mania, where sometimes people get confused with bipolar and borderline, right? Um, Because in their impulsivity, they may do something that is detrimental. So they might go gambling. They might intoxicate, like, you know, they'll use substances versus Bipolar, where it's really that manic phase where my mind's working too fast. What's different um, with bipolar and borderline, and I, you know, it's an important distinction to make because often they get misdiagnosed. Often we're medicating people for the wrong reasons. Bipolar, your manic phase lasts for a few days, a few weeks. In borderline, we see those ups and downs in a, a day, right? So, but they... Sometimes because of this impulsive characteristic trait of borderline, it gets confused with bipolar. I think it's really important. I really appreciate you clarifying the difference between um, bipolar and borderline personality disorder. I think like, I think totally like as even just as myself, I'm like, oh, they, they, they must be the same thing. It's important to know what the differences are so that you can treat, you can, you know, uh, and, and really not, not mistreat somebody, right? Who can- totally, totally. All right, moving along. So what's the fifth trait? Um, Suicidality. We see a lot of people with borderline personality disorder attempt suicide. Sometimes, you know, those attempts become real. What they want is they want to get away from the abandonment. And most likely, if somebody's going to call you and say, hey, you know what? Um, Come now because, because I feel like I'm going to do something to myself. Most people will respond to that. They will come. The unfortunate thing is sometimes those attempts just become reality. So we see 
high rates of suicidality in uh, people with borderline. That's another reason why we need to have these conversations because we need to, you know, support and help people who are struggling with these things so that we don't have such high rates. You know, I um, in a previous episode, I talked about like some self-harm that I used to engage in when I was a kid. It wasn't like because I wanted to die. I wanted help. I remember being like, I need help. I need help. I need help. I need help. Somebody pay attention. I need help. But I actually remember like people in my life being like, you just want attention. And I'm thinking, yeah. Helpful attention. Not helpful attention. It's a cry for help. I think it's really important also for like parents to, to hear these things too, because I think a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, I wish I had seen the signs. These things are really important. And really as, as a mother, I'm acutely aware of like what my children are saying and doing and the ways that they ask me to, to be there for them. Absolutely. And as long as we are doing our best to meet the emotional, physical needs of our children, right? In, in the case of, of a person with BPD, uh, the traumatic childhood experiences have almost made them believe, I can't trust anyone. No one's there for me. This comes from a consistent lack of, you know, caring towards your child and, you know, whatever other experiences your kids might have outside of the home. But it really has to be consistent for this to present or for a person to get to that point where they say, wow, I, I, I can't trust you. I mean, you leave me. I believe borderlines have a script of un unlovable. So when I'm growing up and that's my script of I'm inherently an unlovable person. There's nothing you can do, Nikki. You know, every bit of, of whatever you do to show me that I'm loved. But if my script keeps telling me, no, 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 but, but you're unlovable, you're unlovable. I'm never going to feel that love. And I'm always going to feel that you're going to leave me because I'm inherently unlovable. That makes me so sad. Like I almost teared up like thinking about that. Like as a mom, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I never would want my children to ever feel that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's painful to see even as adults, right? Because that's their script that, you know, they, they leave that. So no matter what people are telling them around, they feel, no, no, but, but you'll leave me. Yeah. You know, um, and I want to give a personal anecdote. Like that's, that's how I viewed my mom a lot. Like I, I remember thinking about my mom. And I eventually became estranged from my mother because it became such a toxic environment for me that I was like, I'm not going to be healthy. Like if I continue to to participate in this type of behavior as an adult, I was like, you know what? I remember there was a distinct moment where I was like, you know what? I did not have a choice as a child. Like this is what it was. But as an adult, I do have the power of choice. But I remember feeling, you know, my mom has passed on now and I've made peace with that in my own way. But I remember there came a point in time where I was like, I was acutely aware that my mom like lacked self-love. Like I remember thinking like she needed she needed me to love her. In addition to that unloved feeling, they feel a constant sense of emptiness, right? Oh, yeah. The 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 problem is this. So, you know, because you and I feel empty sometimes, right? Like we right. you know, yes. we have those days where we get up and say, oh. and then we find a purpose and a meaning and, and then we Yes, you come back. The, the issue or the problem with uh, with people with borderline is it's they feel empty, but then there's a hole, right? Uh -huh. So no matter how much they put in, it goes away. 
So that feeling of emptiness, I will have so many of my clients sit and say, why do I feel this way? And listen, for me, I feel knowledge is empowering. If I can educate people to say, hey, listen, this is, this is what's going on. You're not crazy. This is what's going on. That's why you feel this way. But there's hope, there's help. Let's work on that. So, you know, because otherwise this, this constant feeling of emptiness can be extremely, you know, it, it's saddening. And you, you spend your days in and out dealing or, or, or not knowing how to deal with this feeling of emptiness. I think it's like it can be debilitating, right? Like where you like you go into you can easily go into a place of non-action where like you just don't you can't do anything. And like from my experience in working a 12 step program, like I hear this all the time, like the hole, right? Like the emptiness and then there's the hole. And it's like we often refer to it as like a God sized hole that like only in in my my personal spiritual beliefs that only God can fill like my relationship with my higher power that I have, you know, but like as an addict and I identify as an alcoholic, you know, I I know that I have a tendency to fill the hole with whether it's alcohol or shopping or fitness or whatever. There's a million things that you can fill it with that it will just never, ever be enough, you know? And so I know personally that I have an addiction to alcohol, right? And through my, my work, through a program and through fellowship, I have been able to like find healthier ways to cope with it personally where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm at peace with myself. I am loved. I am these things, you know, and I've been able to work through, through those in my in my own ways. But I think that not everybody's going to be like, oh, well, present as an alcoholic. I think last time we spoke, you mentioned that a lot of addicts do struggle with borderline personality now, disorder. I'll tell you why, why I say that. So, you know, this sort of self-sabotaging, for, for borderlines, uh, we see that a lot. And I'll tell you how we see it again. Let me give you the example of this client. I love her. Uh, and I, I absolutely love working with her. But so so this client of mine, what she really wants is love, right? What yeah, borderlines right. want is to be loved. Yeah. Don't want to feel abandoned. They want to feel loved. Okay, but then she does everything to turn her, her spouse the other way, right? She'll yell, she'll scream, she'll, you know, she'll act out. And then the spouse is like, okay, oh, okay. I, I, here comes that, you know, uh, the dysregulation. No, I, I don't want to deal with this. And he goes away then, and that makes it worse, right? And when he walks away, she's just fulfilled that prophecy that she has that, see, you walked away from me. See, you right. abandoned me, right? So that's where I feel the substance is because it's almost a way of, coping for some and then for others it's a way of I'm going to hurt myself you know like we've talked about the 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 high rates of suicide attempt if I'm unlovable then I'm going to do something that's not nice right yeah so so that's where these two kind of converge intertwine yes yeah I can totally see that Okay, so we have so far, just to recap for our listeners, we have a fear of abandonment, a pattern of unstable relationships, identity disturbance, meaning like, I don't know who I am or what I like. We have impulsive um, behaviors and suicidality. As we move on into like the second half of this, where do we, where, what's next? So, and one more we talked about, which I kind of threw in, uh, Nikki, and I didn't say it was a trait, but but the, the constant feeling of emptiness. Okay. Right? So that's, that's a trait. The next one is frequent mood swings. 
and you know we talked about this in terms of when we were trying to uh, sort of you know differentiate between bipolar and borderline right like so we almost can see a person with borderline go from oh i'm okay to a trigger hits and oh my gosh um i have a friend who struggles with borderline and and i remember going out for for dinner one day and there was something about just how we friends were sitting something triggered her i kid you not nikki i i think i asked her a question about something she got so triggered she literally got up she was banging on the table and this is a matter of seconds right because because something triggered something of what i had asked triggered her in 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 not a nice way so we do see you know these fluctuating mood swings but but on a daily basis it fluctuates a lot so that's another characteristic of borderlines and i think you know finally it's really that inability to manage emotions they find it extremely hard to to regulate themselves when they feel out of control right and it's 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 really painful to see somebody who has been triggered or and and sometimes there's no external trigger it's just a trigger in their mind right okay. remember this is also a disorder of perception the way you know i see it because it's it's the way i am perceiving the world and the way i help my clients understand this is that you know because of your experiences somewhere along the way you've picked up these glasses you know the 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 cool sunshade and now the way you look at the world and the way the rest of the world is looking at the world is very different for you that is your reality so you can't there's no alternate reality for them right so right. it's it's being able to take out take off those glasses which is really where therapy comes in and that's hard it is very that's hard when that's all you know absolutely so so in a sense you're telling a person everything that you think or you've thought the way you think doesn't exist it's 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 not factual what you're feeling is not factual and that's extremely hard for people and i can't stress this enough nikki people with personality disorders need to go to a therapist with experience in personality disorders and and i understand the challenges i understand the world of insurances i understand all of that yeah but if you land up with a person who does not have an understanding chances are you're going to get worse right because because they they because a lot of these things are so difficult and so painful to deal with that you really have to have a person who's understanding who's compassionate and has worked with with people and knows how to help you in those times when it's so distressing for you. Yeah, I think a lot of people just from having like regular everyday conversations with people Dr. Rashan is that like I think a lot of people struggle to find the right therapist. Like it is so hard to find the right fit. Like you know, it's just I think a lot of people struggle with it and I wish there was like a better method for like finding the person. And obviously like so many therapists offer free consults and and stuff like that. It's still hard. it's still hard to find the right person and i'll tell you what you know now that you're talking about it that you know because we attend so many trainings right yeah and it's so sad because obviously we know there's a stigma with personality disorders outside in the world because they are the difficult clients right right but there's a stigma within the therapeutic community right so wow. you know we we'll, we'll sit there and we'll have this workshop on dbt or whatever and and you can see therapists going oh my gosh yes you know i have my share of dbt don't say that don't talk like that um you know and and if if that's how you feel please don't work with them 
Because right. really, you know, fundamentally, if you don't have compassion, please don't get into the field. And say there's new therapists over there. Now they are listening from, you know, older therapists who are saying, oh my gosh, oh, you know, no, 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 no. water lines, you know. And now your new therapists are like, oh, forget it. I don't even want to take on that. So where are these people going to get help there? Right. So right. we need to change the way we and the therapist community. Yes. You know, the way we talk about it does then changing the stigma outside because there is help, uh, Nikki. And but again, it has to be with the right therapist. It has to be with the right therapist. I'm, I totally hear. I hear that loud and clear. And I want people to hear that loud and clear. And I want to know, like, what advice you would give to individuals like who have recently been diagnosed with a personality disorder, borderline personality disorder specifically, and maybe feeling like totally overwhelmed and discouraged because, I mean, it's overwhelming, right? I mean, I can imagine that it's very overwhelming to live a life like that. Absolutely. So again, we've talked about some of those treatment options, right? Nikki, we've talked about DBT. And and just for people who are listening and tuning in for the first time and might not have a background in this, let's, let's, let's redefine DBT. Okay. So DBT is dialectic behavior therapy. Right. Originated or founded by Marsha Linehan really because she struggles with borderline personality herself. A wonderful program, a skill-based program. I feel it's the most effective when it's in a group setting. However, even on an individual basis, maybe they're not running groups because of space or whatever, but that's the treatment to go to. And I think what sets this apart is that piece of mindfulness, right? Because what mindfulness does is just, you know, it gives you the pause between reacting and responding. So it gives you that minute to, okay, hold on. Do I really want to do this? Do I really want to say this? Um, so that piece of mindfulness is extremely beautiful and very, very helpful for people struggling with borderline. So I highly recommend first, please get to a therapist, get therapy, because this is not something that's going to go away. You're not going to be able to decipher this and just deal with it by yourself. There's no shame. Get rid of all of that. Get yourself in therapy. Find a therapist who has enough experience working with uh, people with personality disorders. Um, if they are DBT certified, yay, because that's really the evidence-based practice we have. EMDR is another one, you know, that's, but that's more trauma-focused. What? Eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. It's a trauma therapy. Okay. It helps you to process trauma. Now, listen, there are a lot of emotionally focused techniques, EM EMDR being one of them, tapping being one of them. EMDR is extremely expensive, Vicky. The people who are doing, who've trained in EMDR, they don't want to take insurance. It's, it's really unreachable. So that's why I changed to say, hey, anything emotionally focused, right? So somebody who's trained in emotionally focused techniques, it could be tapping, it could be EMDR. Um, you know, if if you can get into it. But those techniques help with dealing with trauma. Now, do they help regulate? Not really. Tapping does. Tapping helps you, you know, heal from trauma along with kind of regulate your emotions. But by far, one of the best techniques would still be DBT. Good to know. So also, like, I'm imagining... I'm Okay, like, I'm imagining my listeners who are like, okay, this might apply to me, right? I'm also imagining my listeners, our listeners who are like, I need to send this to somebody and how difficult it might be to even receive this information. Like, hey, 
I think that you might benefit from listening to this episode because I think that you struggle with this. And I want to encourage our listeners to, whenever they are dealing with loved ones, to come from a place of love and compassion. Like when we are sharing this information, this is all, I can't stress it enough, between Dr. Roshna and I, it's like all of it is love and compassion and empathy and like just wanting people to live their best life with so much hope for their futures and like just really coming from that space. And so if there's anybody listening and you're like thinking, oh, I got to send this to somebody, like I just want to personally encourage those people to be like to come at that from an angle of love and compassion and not judgment and shame. Absolutely. And I would say that universally for any mental health issue. Yeah. Firstly, please don't go diagnosing people because, because <laughs> right. don't do that. Uh, don't do that. You know, we, we, uh, we're trained and even then I, I shy away from, from giving diagnosis to people. So please don't go diagnosing people. But if you feel someone is struggling with some of this stuff and, and you know, they would benefit from talking from getting into therapy, from from having that compassionate healing process, of course, let them know and and encourage them. Really come from a place of empowerment rather than, you know, put downs. Because no one, Nikki, I, I, and I can't stress this enough, no one asks for this stuff. My childhood experiences are not something I asked for. Right. That's what happened to me. I was the passive... Um, kind of, you know, uh, victim in this whole, uh, you know, uh, whatever my childhood experiences are. So nobody wants to feel that way. It's a drowning feeling to have. Nobody's walking around life thinking, oh, that would be nice. I, you know, I would love to feel that. No, it's challenging for them. So if anything, come from a place of empowerment, come from a place of compassion, come from a place of love and understanding. Not agreeing, but understand. I think it's really important that you even said that, like not agreeing with not agreeing, but understanding. And I think it's really, really important that like for for people to understand that the two can coexist. Like you don't have to agree. Like the two things can be true at the same time. Correct. Absolutely. And and it's it, it's really I, I cannot stress that enough that you know you might you might make certain decisions in your life to have a boundary with a person. And that's because you don't agree with that person. But still there's that level of understanding, right? Um, and that's a gift that one human gives to another. Super fascinating. And there's a ton of information out there. Like, like there are books and there are resources about this that are like, I'm sure there are free podcasts that you can listen to, like about all of these things. So whether or not, even if it's not accessible financially, which is, you know, that, that, that is a conversation for an entire other podcast right you and I could I feel like you and I could have like our own show at this point um but like there are there are definitely resources that are out there I want to also encourage people to like check the authority of the people talking always like I make it very clear I am not a doctor I am not a specialist I am like a deliverer of information of the specialists you know but like you know check the facts like do your due diligence like make sure like you want to check out Dr. Rasha? Check her out. Make sure she, you know, like do your own research and make sure that you the information that you're getting is legitimate. Absolutely. And for anyone who's thinking of doing EMDR, please don't do it. If you can, don't do it via telehealth. Go in person. I, I you know. Research has found 
it's just not the same, right? It's just not the same. Um, you know, I know a lot of therapists do it, uh, you know, telly, but it's it's it it really doesn't work the same. So yes, even that, right? Get a get a good understanding of what is this person proposing, and like I told you the last time, Nikki, at the the bottom line. You know, it doesn't matter the therapeutic orientation as much as it matters the relationship between therapist and client. So I could have the best EMDR therapist, but if I don't feel a connection with that person, it's not going to work. So really follow your gut feeling. You know, that little feeling inside of us that says, okay, yes, yes, I think she can help me or no. Oh my gosh, she's crazy. Let me run. You've got to pay attention to that. Dr. Rasha, thank you so much. There's so much information that we covered today. I think this has been a great informative conversation and I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Thank you so much for your time and expertise and for your, just your generosity and like your, your like beautiful soul. So thank you. Thank you, Nikki. And thank you for having such important conversations. It's my pleasure, always. This podcast was brought to you by Sana Skin Studio. Be sure to use my code, the no glow for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. More than a skin studio, Sana is a movement towards healthier skin and self-love. Thank you so much for listening to The No. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The No. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The No with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. Mm-hmm.